We're in the middle of a series, if uh, you're just joining us, called Chase the Lion. And it's about conquering our fears and pursuing the dreams that God has called us to pursue. And uh, even as I've been thinking about it, it's like it, when we think about chasing the lion, are we talking about chasing our fears or chasing our dreams? And the answer is yes, uh, because anytime you chase your dreams, it means you're going to have to conquer some fears. And so it, it's, it's a both-end uh, type of thing. Uh, sorry, if you were in junior high, thank you, junior high, for reminding me. Uh, please go to Theater 4 for junior high conversations. So we've been exploring what are you afraid of and what dreams has God put in your heart? What lions is he calling you to chase? The phrase chase the lion comes out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, and there's a list of uh, quite heroic gentlemen called David's mighty men. And in, in that uh, list of men, there's a guy named Benai, and it says, uh, one day uh, Benaiah chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day. He didn't run away from the lion. He actually chased it down and conquered the lion. And so where you and I would see fear, he actually saw opportunity. And because of that, uh, Benaiah was promoted uh, to be a bodyguard uh, and then one day to be the second most powerful man in the kingdom. There's other characters on that list as well. And last year we looked at Josheb. And Josheb, against 801 odds, stood his ground and won, uh, won in a war and was the last man standing, 801 odds. And so... Uh, we talked about facing our, your fears. And, uh, and if you remember from the second week of the series, we learned two things. I'll show you from the first week. Uh, faith is a willingness to look foolish. Does anybody remember that? Faith is a willingness to look foolish. You can't actually pursue God's dreams, conquer your fears without embracing this potential that you actually might look foolish that people might not understand, or they might have to push through uh, certain perceptions, uh, and that's okay if we're going to chase lines. Second, we learn that faith is unlearning our fears. There's two fears that every person is born with. What did we say they were? Falling and loud noises. So every other fear that you have in your life has been learned. And so if you've learned those fears then obviously you could probably unlearn them. Uh, and I have a fear of heights, and I rec- realize after that fear of falling is really fear of heights. So I got nothing to feel. That's, <laughs> I was born with that, so that's okay. Uh, last week, we looked at the ripple effect. And so when, when one person decides to pursue a line, to go after their dreams, to conquer their fears, it often has a ripple effect that affects way more people than they would uh, have ever hoped or dreamed. And if you remember, we told some stories. We had all the guys that have been in El Salvador uh, through various years doing amazing, incredible things, but it actually started with a young adult named Andrew Brown who decided at some point uh, in his first year of college when he had no money, uh, the year that his older brother had died, that he was going to take a risk and go on a trip to El Salvador, and that sparked something in his heart that kind of spread like wildfire, um, and some incredible things have happened um, because he chose to chase a line. 22 years ago... Uh, William and Gwen Reimer felt a call in their heart uh, to uh, plant a church in Calgary. And they were told no multiple times, but they couldn't shake the fact that they felt like God was calling them to plant this church. And eventually, through persistence and through patience, uh, they did. And you and I are sitting here today because of that dream that happened 22 years ago. Every dream has a ripple effect. 
And not only do our dreams have ripple effect, even our dreams are part of somebody else's dream. The, the very fact that we get to dream is because God created us with an imagination to dream. He actually created us to take risks in the dream, to co-partner with him in what he wants to do in the world. So I'm going to give a couple of other definitions of faith this morning as we start off. Uh, I introduced this idea last week in the ripple effect, but I didn't, and we ran out of time, so I didn't even give you the line to kind of wrap up the idea. So uh, faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. I think we got it on the screen there. Just want you to read that with me. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. So sometimes we want to know what's going to happen. So if I do this, what's the impact going to be? Am I going to fail? Is it going to be successful? Uh, and we can actually talk ourselves out of taking risks. We can talk ourselves into fear. And faith says it is not the removal of fear, but it's the courage to actually push through the fear to say, I'm actually willing to take a step even though I don't know what the result is going to be. Andrew didn't know what the result was going to be when he first went on that El Salvador trip, and William Gwen had no idea what was going to happen when they stepped foot in Calgary. But that's the way dreams work. And the last definition of uh, faith that I'll give right from the outset this morning um, is that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That one's pretty good, hey? You can read that with me. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If you're thinking that one sounds so much better than the other three, it's because the other, that fourth one's in the Bible. So I think it's, uh, I think it's a pretty good uh, definition of faith. So maybe a way to think about it and that, that scripture is found in Hebrews 11, verse 1. As, uh, we got any Lego fans here? Okay, a few Lego fans. My boys love Lego for the first day or two, and then they end up all over the house. Uh, but uh, if, you, if you've bought Lego, you know what happens. You, you, you get the Lego box, and it says like 550 pieces on the box, right? And it has a picture of what it's supposed to look like. But when you, when you open up the box, does it come out and look like the picture? No, it comes out in 550 pieces. And how do you get the pieces in the box to look like the picture? Through 550 steps. One Lego piece at a time, right? This morning, I want to talk about that certainty and that of actually knowing where we're going, but also the perspective that uh, it's not easy and it actually takes a little bit of persistence and perseverance. Uh, and so the character that we're going to launch from this morning is Eliezer. Can everybody say Eliezer? And Eliezer is one of the mighty men in 2 Samuel 23, and this is what the uh, 2 Samuel 23, verse 9 to 10 reads. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Aohite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pass Demim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. This guy was driven. He had some perseverance, hand freezing to the sword type of perseverance. That $80 box of Lego, 2,000 piece, piece of Lego type of perseverance. He had a picture of what he wanted and he had to kind of stick with it to see that dream, dream come to fruition. 
Now, up until this point in the series, we've been focusing on uh, our individual fears or or individual dreams. Uh, and in your bulletin, you'll see that there's a, there's a list of, you got two columns there, fears and dreams. Um, and you don't have to use that in your bulletin, but I encourage you, even on your phone or somewhere, as we continue to go through this series and we continue to ask God what his dreams are for us and what fears are in the way, that you would begin to document these things. And so we did a bit of listening prayer last service. We said, God, what do you, uh, what's the dream What's the dream you want me to have? Uh, what are fears that I have that are preventing me from pursuing that dream? And, uh, and I hope some of you, as we've gone through the series, have, have uh, actually felt clarity around some of your fears or clarity around even what dreams God has put in your heart. Has, has anybody felt a level of clarity on their fears or their dreams as we've kind of gone through this? A few people. Put up your hands nice and high. Yeah, okay. I've... I've uh, I've had a number of meetings with Sun Westers, even in the last couple of weeks, that have said, I know that my, my dream is this. Uh, in fact, after the kickoff weekend, when we, were, when we introduced the Chase the Lion idea, uh, I, uh, I was tucking my oldest son, Joel, into bed that night, and he said, Dad, I think I know what my line is. And I said, what's your line? He's like, I think I've got to step out and make some new friends. Uh, I was like, oh, good for you, buddy. That's good. And then the next day... The next day, he walked home with a friend from his class, and, and my son Joel is like super introverted, right? He like never puts himself out there. And he reached out to a friend in his class, and he brought him, uh, brought him to our house the next day, and he, and he stuck his neck out and did it. I was like, that is awesome. Um, and so my 10-year-old son gets it, and I, and I know that many of you are getting I've talked to people that they've had conversations that they've been avoiding for a long time, and they just felt like, that's the line that I actually have to look in the face I have to have that conversation with my boss, or I have to have that conversation with that friend whose relationship is broken down, or I have this dream, this initiative that God's put on my heart, and this just kind of relit a fire that I have to pursue that and go after that and push through my fears. And, and so as these stories are coming out, uh, share them, let's share them with one another because uh, faith gets contagious. Okay, when, once we start taking risks together, we share the risks, the dreams, our fears, it actually becomes contagious that, that we believe that we can do it uh, when we're in it together. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the together aspect. Not only does God have dreams for us as individuals, he has dreams for us collectively. And in the opening video, you saw the that collective force of chasing the lion together. And there's a couple of comments in that video about the importance of not showing fear and having a you know, united front. And, and I believe that there's lines that God is calling us to chase together. And so we're going to be chasing individual lions, uh, individual dreams, chasing down individual fears. But I, I believe that this is a season where God is also asking us as a community of people uh, God, what are the dreams you have for us? What are the lines you want us to take or to chase? And I believe that sometimes we need to take the first step before we know what the second step is. And we have to have an idea of what we're hoping for. And to be honest, there's a 500-pound line that has dropped into our lap in this season that I want to spend some time talking about this morning. As many of you know, we're a portable church. For 22 years, we've been wandering around the wilderness of Canyon Meadows and Mindapore and Sundance 
Uh, and we've been totally okay with that. The point of SunWest was never uh, to have a building. The point wasn't to not have a building, but we never really felt like that was uh, the call that God had on us as a church was that the building was it. Uh, we believed the mission was it. We wanted to see all people got into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, we heard uh, Gwen's comments uh, in, in what I read last week that their dream when they started this church was that it would be a, a church that would see unchurched people meet the transforming person of Jesus Christ, a place where people would meet Jesus and walk in freedom, hope, and healing. And that dream has not ended, and it still continues. When they planted the church, the theme verse was Ephesians 3.20, which says, Now glory to God who is able to, through his mighty work within us, to accomplish def- infinitely more than we might ask or think. And then the next verse says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And I believe that this church was planted to be a risk-taking church, to be a church that dreams, uh, to be a church that uh, dares to ask God Uh, for the impossible, and then get surprised because God can even do more than we ask or imagine. So when this dream was started 22 years ago, in that group of 50 that Colin was referring to on stage, uh, it started a Mid-Sun Community Center just down the road from here. And we were known as the Bagel Church. The portable church that served bagels. It was like this mind-blowing uh, missional thing that we did. Nobody else was doing it, renting gyms, eating bagels, um, having kids high on sugar and jam all morning. Uh, and we met, we met there for a long time, for uh, almost a decade. Uh, and then after that, we, there, was, there was a sense that God was calling us to more, that God was, was growing us. That group of 50 had... Uh, enlarged to quite a large group of people. Uh, I don't know exact numbers, so I'm not even going to guess at this point. Uh, but we, we made the decision, and it was a risky decision. It was a, it was a God-sized dream decision that we were going to move out of the community center, the place that had been home, uh, for the last 10 years. Uh, and we were going to move down the street to Centennial High School. And so we spent the next couple years in Centennial High School, and Centennial was a, was a perfect move because it was right in the community in which our roots were, is where we were, were established. Um, and we were seeing people come to know Jesus and uh, the transformation of what was happening at SunWest was rippling into the community around us. And so we met in Centennial High School and that uh, God-sized dream uh, required twice as much, uh, if not more, energy to make, pull off those Sunday mornings. How many of you guys were involved in the, in the setup and teardown in those days at Centennial High School? Okay. Um, I'm going to get you to stand up for a second. If you're on those setup and teardown teams, stand up for, for a second. Yeah, you give these guys a hand. Many of them are still on our setup teams. So just, just to give you a picture of what was happening in those days is uh, there was no on-site storage. So all of the storage was actually in trailers uh, parked a couple of kilometers south of Calgary, um, which was hard enough in the, in the summer months. But you can imagine the winter months when we got a big snowfall and those, those trailers were stuck in five feet of snow and they had to get it and dig those trucks out at five o'clock in the morning to haul them to Centennial High School to set them up. Uh, and it was exhausting and tiring, but it was worth it because 
uh, we had this God-sized dream that God actually wanted to transform South Calgary, and we needed a God-sized space uh, to do what he was asking us to do next. Those were, those were exciting times. Um, we were, in terms of uh, uh, all the things that were happening at that time, you know, we're, we had a, a bunch of people that were coming, and in the met, midst of that momentum, we said, uh, God is calling us to plant churches, and we, we decided to plant, uh, to be a multi-site church, and we planted McKenzie uh, right around the same time that we were at Centennial High School. We recorded a CD the f- right around the first, I think it was the first weekend we were in Centennial High School. Did anyone correct me? And you guys probably can't read the writing on the CD. What does it say on the front of the CD? Dare to imagine. Dare to imagine. Track seven is really good. (laughs) I may have sang on track seven. Um, And this dare to imagine, uh, we moved into Centennial, we planted McKenzie, uh, and we felt like this was a theme that God had put on our hearts that God was daring us to imagine. And we were beginning to see what God might have had in mind for us. As time went on, Centennial uh, became, it became quite challenging, the amount of red tape that we started uh, running into at the high school uh, with CBE. It just it became increasingly difficult for us to uh, rent the facility to use the classrooms. It made it difficult for our children's ministry um, and trying to figure out which spaces to use. Uh, and we felt like uh, it wasn't a sustainable future, and we were looking for a, another place that we could move to. And so the opportunity to move to the Canyon Meadows Theater came up at that point, and we, uh, we went for it. It was, a, it was a timely move because as volunteers, we were exhausted. Uh, there was challenges at Centennial. We didn't see how we were actually going to move forward, and God had kind of opened the doors for us to come here. And I don't want to overstep my bounds in stating this. I was around during this time, um, and, uh, and I even remember conversations when we did this move. And I clearly remember and I, and I recall that this was a move not based on dreaming and imagination, but, drace, uh, but made on uh, necessity because of what was going on. And I think it was the first time in my first few years that I was at SunWest that I felt like we had made a decision out of accommodation instead of one of faith and dreaming. Now, I'm not... I'm thankful for the space. Uh, it's served us well. Uh, and I think it has, be, it has been a place that um, has sustained us through uh, a lot of different transitions and seasons. But I've talked to many people, and I, and, and I, and I, and I would try, you know, because I believe that God has given you to do whatever he's called you to do um, right now. Uh, and so we don't want to have any excuses at SunWest, but we don't want that reasoning to be the reason that we stop dreaming and asking God for more. Does that make sense? 
And my sense has been that we've always felt that this was a move away from the community uh, and the community transformation, life transformation, permanent presence that God had in mind for SunWest at the beginning. A few years ago, uh, we were gathering our ministry team, and we were, we were just shooting some dreaming up on a whiteboard, and we said, you know, because we were talking about some of the facility challenges, and we said, well, you know, what, what do you think God has for us? And, and all of us on the ministry team just felt like we, we believe that we're supposed to be back in the Mindapur uh, Sundance area and to try and establish a permanent place of presence in the community. And so we've wrestled with that. We've talked about it. We've prayed about it. Um, and uh, in this past year, uh, you know, Connections Church, which is a, on Mid Park Boulevard, just across from the office, um, has gone up for sale just in the last couple of months, as many of you know. And to be honest, I, my, when the opportunity came up, my heart leaped because it was, it was this, it was, it was like this opportunity for us to dream and think and imagine again what might be next. But when we found out about uh, how much the building was actually going for sale for, it was way more than we thought it would be. And originally, I was really disappointed. I was disappointed because, you know, it would have been so nice if we could just kind of jump ship and go to a different place and have a place of permanence. Um, and, uh, and this 500-pound lion was really a 2-million-pound lion, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and then as I so, so this happened before we started the series as I started preparing and preaching the series and I'm, I'm preaching and I'm, and I'm telling you guys that God needs you know our dreams need to be God sized because if, they're, if we can do them in our own strength then we actually rob God of his glory and I was like wait a second this two million pound lion maybe this is exactly what God intends Maybe it's really, it's perfect that we can imagine and dream about something that we can't do in our own strength. And I wrestle with this, but I, I really feel like as we talk about chasing lines together as individuals, it's time for us to actually think about chasing lines together corporately. Uh, and my invitation this morning is that you would join me uh, in just seeking the Lord on this potential opportunity. It's something that we can't do in our own strength, and we, we need a God-sized miracle uh, to make it happen. Uh, but in the midst of, as, as we're figuring out, God, is this, what's the second step? What's the third step? What's the fourth step? I really feel like, because it's God-sized, if he wants it to happen, he'll make, he'll make it happen. And if he doesn't, then he'll close that door and we can't open it, and that's okay. Are you guys following me? And so, can we pursue God's heart on this and ask him to, if, if it's something that God wants, that he would make a way for this to happen? The point was never the building, and the point has never been about 
not having a building. But I don't think that the fear of it not being about the building should stop us from pursuing the right building. Does that make sense? I don't think the fear of, you know, not having a building or should we have a building should stop us from pursuing the right opportunity. It's not about the building. It's actually about mission. This isn't about an end point. It's actually, in my mind, it's about a new beginning point. Um, and the building doesn't make anything, a building doesn't make anything go away. Uh, when I do marriage counseling, one of the best advice I give, you got real problems in your marriage, just have a kid. It'll make all your problems go away. <laughs> and, and sometimes churches treat buildings like that, like we would give bad marriage advice to a young couple. And we all know that if you have a, if you have a baby, it doesn't make your marriage problems go away. In fact, it probably elevates things. And, and so I just want to say that I do not see a building as the thing. What is the thing? What's the picture on the box? Well, we, as many of you know, we're in a, we're in a point of reimagining and rethinking um, some structural pieces here at SunWest, but there's some things that are unchanging. And I believe, as I preached a few weeks ago, that God has called SunWest to be a suburb of the New Jerusalem, and, and so it's, we're called to be a place where people of different diversity and perspectives can find a home. When you look at Revelation... Uh, it's a picture of, it's a multicultural, multi-ethnic, every tribe, tongue, nation gathering together in worship. And I don't think we're called to be sun white. I think we're called to be a... Okay. Thank you, Brian. I think we're called to be a little micro suburb of what God is imagining when we see in Revelation the New Jerusalem. We at least need to be reflecting the community that we're a part of. And then you say, well, what community are we a part of? I was like, good question. Um, but who, who is in our lives? And that needs to be reflected in the worshiping community. And that's a picture of the New Jerusalem that we have. The New Jerusalem is also intergenerational. I believe it's always been a part of SunWest Call in our heart to be an equipping and releasing church. You know, we just, uh, we just saw people up on stage this morning... Um, they're coming and going all the time, and it's heartbreaking, uh, but it's awesome, and that's, and that's part of the call that God put on our, us as a church is that we would equip people and we would release them, and sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't, and that's okay, but, but we're a multiplying, equipping, and releasing church, and that is not going to change. That's part of the picture on our box. We believe in personal transformation, that people, when they meet Jesus, will be healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. We believe that as people are healed, that communities become healed. So we believe in personal transformation, community transformation. SunWest was always a place where we wanted the lost to find Jesus. And I remember in the, in the early years, we would, um, not the early years, I only came halfway through, but when I, when I came, uh, we were baptizing way more adults than we're baptizing now. Um, don't get me wrong, I love baptizing the youth and the young people. That's, that's fabulous. Um, but I believe that God wants not just to transform youth lives, but families' lives. That God wants to redeem families. That the lost people will find Jesus. And I don't think God wants us to play just to play not to lose. Sorry, I'm, I'm a coach, you know, so like, forgive me for a sports analogy, but 
Um, you know, my kids, I'm watching my kids play soccer and it's driving me crazy because they're up like 3-2 in the, uh, in the, oh, in the, what's the one before the finals? The, uh, the semifinals. <laughs> I thought I was a coach. Um, <clears throat> my kids are up 3-2 in the semifinals. And they just start, like, they, they stop being aggressive and they're, they're playing defense and they're trying not to miss mistakes. And, and you can tell when a team changes their mentality that they're not playing with freedom and with aggression anymore. They're actually playing reactionary. They're reacting to what the other team is doing. They're playing defense. And there's, there's appropriate times for that in the game, but you can't play sustained amounts of time like that. God is not calling us just to be reactionary, just to be on defense. God is actually calling us to play offense. He wants us to play offense with our lives, and he wants to play offense in this community. I believe that this is a place where the fivefold gifts, apostle, prophet, shepherd, teacher, uh, evangelist, sorry, it's in there too, um, that they're going to function in harmony together. Not a place where these things are going to, these gifts will separate, um, and I believe that something like this building, it gives us a permanent presence. Will it help us equip and release better? Will it help meet felt needs better as we actually have a physical presence? Will it help us launch and initiate new ministries, ministry schools, maybe a coffee shop, community groups, host addiction groups, greater, greater partnership with the junior high and the high school? I mean, 90% of our kids come from Centennial High School and we would just be right down the road. So as I've been wrestling with this, because believe me, I, I know this is a weird season, and, and I don't understand the timing of this. Why would a building like this pop in, onto the radar in this time uh, when SunWest is trying to figure out a whole bunch of other stuff, and I don't know? Um, but I don't want to ignore that either. And I'd rather say, let's pray and, and ask God, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What do you have in mind? And so when I was journaling a few weeks ago, I was journaling in Acts 27, um, sorry, I'm going a little bit over time today. Um, you guys with me? I, yes. uh, you know, we got Kendall now, so she'll keep the kids happy. <laughs> Acts 27. Um, this is right at the end of the book of Acts where God has done some amazing things. The gospel has spread. The kingdom has spread. He's transforming people's lives, communities' lives. And Paul, an apostle, uh, gets, uh, he gets arrested and he gets tried in a few different courts. And then he appeals to Caesar. And so they were taking him on a ship to Italy. And this is kind of where we pick up the story. He's a prisoner on a ship on his way to Italy to appeal to Caesar and uh, just follow along with the, the storyline here. I'm just going to quickly summarize it. In verse 7, they were in the ship. Uh, the, there were stormy winds. Uh, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty. The, the wind uh, did not allow us to hold course. Much time had been lost, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it, and we were driven along. And there's this dramatic a description of what's happening if you read through the whole chapter there. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. 
Paul stood up before them and said, Now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve beside me, uh, whom, whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down to the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut their ropes and held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. They were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. And this is how the chapter ends. And this way, everyone reached the land. So I was journaling and praying about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Chris King can testify because we were texting each other in our devotional time in the morning. I think he was on the East Coast. And, and I was like, hey, this is what I feel like God's saying. He's like, oh, I'm getting something. God's saying something to me like that too. Um, and so we had a, our virtual Devo time together. It was kind of cool. Um, but here's, here's some thoughts that I believe we're in this, what I would call the season of shaking up and somewhat of a storm. And I was looking at this passage, I was thinking, uh, how, did, how did Paul kind of bring this together and how, do, how did everybody arrive safely? And, and can you imagine being in the storm and in the midst of the unknown and the chaos and trying to figure out what's going on? Uh, and I believe that there's all different personalities in that boat. People that are experiencing that storm differently, that think differently, that think they, they should respond differently. And, um, and I'll do a, some longer teaching on this at some point this year, but in Ephesians chapter 4, you have a description of the fivefold gifts that the God, God has given the church, the different offices that God has given the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, like I mentioned a, like I mentioned a minute ago. And if I call it APEST, it's an acronym for that, okay? Um, and each of these gifts, they have different strengths. They have different perspectives. And you can imagine all those people in the boat are probably divided up into one of those five groups in some way. So the apostle is forward-thinking, thinking about new territory. It's entrepreneurial. How can we transform lives and communities? How can we see the reality of heaven come to earth? That's part of the way the apostle thinks. The prophet tuned in to hear and see things from, uh, from the spiritual realm. To them, the spiritual realm is actually more real than the physical realm. The evangelist, a heart for those who don't know Jesus, for the lost, carriers of the good news. They build bridges. Shepherds, they see the church. They care for the hurting. Families matter, children's matter, community matters. Teachers, they point our attention to the Word of God, God's revelation to us. And so you can imagine that these folks are in this boat, people of all different types of personalities in the storm, trying to figure out how do we move forward together. And you can imagine the conversations. You have the apostle. He thinks... You know, you got the lifeboat there. He's like, I don't think we need a lifeboat. I think we need a cruise ship. You know, I believe that just around this corner, there's a cruise ship waiting for us. It can hold all of us. In fact, it can take more people. And when, I get, when we get to the cruise ship, I'm going to 
you know, I'm going to market and brand it. Um, and we're going to put cruise ships in different oceans and different lakes over the Mediterranean area. Uh, and eventually, we're going to transform the world through cruise ships. That might be something those apostles thinking. We got the prophet. I could have told you that this was going to happen. I saw it in a dream. A week ago, I was praying, and the Lord said, you know, if you do this, you're going to end up in the, in the boat, and you're going to be in a storm, and, and you should have listened to me, but nobody listened to me, and I saw this, and, uh, you know, I already put myself, I already put my stuff in the lifeboat because um, I knew this was going to happen, and I'm leaving. Uh, then you have the evangelists, and they're thinking, what am I doing on the ship? What a waste of time being with all these people. There's a world out there that I need to get to, and I'm stuck on the ship. I just need to get in that lifeboat and leave so I can get, a, get, a, get going on what God wants me to do. You got the shepherds, and they're looking around, and they're like, is everybody okay? We got everybody. Can we do, can we do a head count? Oh, we got a lifeboat there. Do you, think, do you think the lifeboat could fit all 250 of us? No, it, okay, it doesn't fit. Okay, uh, you can take my spot. You don't, I, don't need, I don't need it. You can go. You can be safe. You know, so the shepherd's processing, and you have the teacher that says, you know, I wonder how many, you know, or I read my Bible, and the Bible has 23 stories of shipwrecks and storms, and I did a study, and I analyzed them all, and I found out exactly kind of what happens in the Bible, and we should take lessons, and um, you still got a problem we haven't figured out. It's because you don't know the word. You got to memorize the word, my friend. Um, the key to life. And so you get, see all these different gifts processing in the boat. And why do I bring this up? Because I believe in this season, and, and, I, and I was thinking about, okay, how do we even talk about vision and building and next steps? And I knew that everybody in this room was going to respond differently. There's some of you that, you know, I talked about a next thing in a building, and you're like, sign me up. I was ready yesterday. And there's some of you that are saying, uh, you know, have you waited on the Lord about it? What's, what is God asking us to do? Because we don't want to move without hearing from God. And there's some of you are saying, can we just get over ourselves because there's a lost and hurting world out there and we're spending too much time thinking about ourselves. Some of you are shepherds and you're thinking, how's everybody doing? Are we still together? Are we still moving together in the right direction? Who's hurting? And some of you are teachers, and you want to know facts. What's happened? What's going to happen? What are the details? And I just want to affirm you and say that though all of those questions, all of those perspectives are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're all needed. They're all needed. And, and so when, when I say, hey, this might be before us, and I'm putting it out there, I'm not saying that there isn't other perspectives or other feelings or other important questions. But I am saying, let's keep dreaming. And when we get in a boat and you're in a storm, and I don't know if you caught this in the, in the, uh, in the passage there, you got to shed weight. And you got cargo and luggage, and you got people. My mind goes... Two places. You can, to shed weight, you can get rid of people or you can get rid of luggage. Okay? Some people thought, 
that they needed to rid themselves of the boat. So as you read, they were getting down into the lifeboat. They were going to escape. But Paul did something amazing. He said, threw all the cargo overboard. And all of us, we all got our own stuff. We all got our own perspective. We all got our own baggage. We all got our own hurt. Maybe bitterness, unforgiveness, unresolved conflict, self-interest, self-promotion. And I believe that you can hang on to that stuff in the storm. And you can throw people overboard. You can do that. Uh, But I don't think that's what God's calling Sun West to. I think God has called us to function with all the perspectives and embrace them and realize that they're not mutually exclusive and we're going to move forward in God's dream for us together. And so we take all of our own luggage and we throw it overboard. We say, I can get rid of my perspective, my bitterness, my misunderstandings, where I felt misunderstood. Because I would rather be on the boat together than be apart. So here's what I'm inviting you to. Uh, The passage in it says, this is how they got to land. How did they get there together? They got there together because they chose to throw out their personal belongings instead of throwing out each other. Uh, Paul said to the people that were trying to leave on the boat, you know, maybe they're prophets or evangelists or shepherds or teachers, it was like, no, we actually... It even says in the text, we will not get there unless we're all in this together. We need all of you. And so he rallies them together. We need to be together. Your perspective, your questions, how you're seeing and understanding things, that's all really valuable because together we make up the body of Christ. And then it says that he told each one of them to eat, to take responsibility for their own health, And this is, I'm going to call us as a community to a, to a level of individual ownership this morning and say that I believe God corporately wants to do some amazing things in our, our, our community. That he, he has a potential that's been, you know, even as I've talked with people that have been around a long time, it's just like, I just feel like there's this potential here that God's waiting to unleash. And we're just we're waiting for it. And I believe that God wants to do some great things corporately. But I really believe that What God wants to do in us only gets realized when we individually take ownership. And instead of coming on a Sunday saying, what am I going to get this morning? You come on a Sunday and say, what am I going to bring this morning? Not what am I going to get, what am I going to bring? Well, I really hope that, you know, leadership teams figured all this out. And it's like, no, take ownership and you bring questions to the Lord. You dream with the Lord. You bring your dreams here. You feed yourself. Paul says, feed yourself. And it says they all ate. And they all gained strength. And then that's how they got to the land together. They didn't show up at, they didn't show up at Paul's feet and say, hey, Paul, would you just mind feeding us? I need you to feed me. It's like, no, they took individual ownership. I want you to stand with me. <clears throat> yeah. I hope you had nowhere to be. Um, so I don't know what the second step is 
but I do know that in this season, there's this glaring line in front of us as a corporate community and saying, uh, you know, God, what do you want to do with this Minnapur thing? Are you calling us back to the community that we left? And I'm okay if the answer is no, but I'm not okay with us not dreaming and risking and praying and pursuing God about it. We don't want to just play defense, we want to play offense. And I think that what God is inviting us to do in the season is actually to dream with him again. And so would you commit to praying about this thing, this building, this potential, make it a priority in your life? And I would encourage you, would you even be willing to fast about it? Maybe it's a meal a day or something regularly. Uh, maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's um, social media. You know, whatever you feel like God's asking you to give up so that instead of focusing on that thing, you can actually take that energy and that thirst and that hunger and you can focus on God and what he's asking of us. Would you pray? Would you fast? There's a window here. And if God wants us to move in this direction, it's got to be a God thing because we can't do it on our own strength, which is really exciting. I don't want to do it on my own strength anyways. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God of dreaming, a God of vision, a God of imagination. And Lord, I just affirm the different perspectives and questions that come as we think about this stuff. Lord, I thank you for the teachers who are passionate about your word, passionate about understanding things correctly. I thank you for the shepherds, Lord, who are so concerned with the hurting and the wounded around us, Lord, that uh, they are drawing us together. Lord, I thank you for the evangelists that keep our eyes open on people, on people that don't know you, that need to know you. And Lord, I pray that you would revive that evangelistic heart in us. Lord, I thank you for the prophets that are calling us to keep our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, Jesus, we corporately turn our eyes to you and say, we don't want to move unless you call us to move. But we are pursuing you on this matter, and we're asking you for, for big things, for God-sized things, because we believe you want more for us. And, Lord, I thank you for the apostles who are pushing us to think bigger, to imagine more, to dream more, uh, because, Lord, we do believe that you will do more than we ask or imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Sunwest, will you join me in taking some individual ownership around a corporate potential, dreaming together about what God would have for us, and I just want to invite you to close your eyes for a second. And uh, sometimes it, just, it helps to put a stake in the ground. And, um, you know, the, the Lord is saying, inviting you, you know, feed yourself. Take ownership for yourself. Don't throw other people overboard. But check if you've got baggage that you're carrying around that you need to throw overboard instead. Honor people that see things differently and pray and fast about what is coming up and what the Lord's heart is on it. If you're someone who you feel like, I want to say yes to those four things, and I'd repeat them for you, but I don't know what I just said. But if, if, you, if in your heart you're like, yes, I'm gonna, I want to commit to those things, uh, 
I just want you to put a hand in the air as, as putting a stake in the ground this morning and saying, you know what, I'm going to do that as an as a individual in this community. I want to take some individual ownership for what God wants to do corporately. Thank you. And so, Jesus, we just say yes to you and what you have for us. And we don't want to move when you're not telling us to move, but we don't want to stay when you're telling us to move. Um, and I thank you, Lord, that this is a door that only you can open and a door that only you can close. And so we just entrust you with us. We entrust you with us because, Lord, we're your church. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to build the church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And, Lord, you've invited us to play offense. And so we say bring it on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. We've got prayer teams available uh, at the front. Uh, if you'd like to receive prayer for anything this morning, we'd love to pray with you.